Culture is mandated. Community is embracing. Welcome to the Business Made Simple podcast brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. I'm your host, Donald Miller. Back on the show today is Mike Michalowicz. Mike, glad to have you. Glad to be here. Last week, we talked extensively about your new book, All In, about how to build teams, all that kind of stuff. We ran out of time to take listener mail, and we wanted to bring you back in. Would you be willing to answer some questions? Oh, I'd love to. Okay, that sounds great. I think a lot of people I may need your help on some of these. I'm in, I'm in. I think you're the king, though. That is next. If you have questions about how to build a team, how to recruit talent, retain talent, how to get the most out of your people, it's likely keeping you up at night. It doesn't have to. The king of teams is with us today, Mike McCallowitz. So we are going to be reading the questions you submitted right after this. Hey, it's podcast producer Bobby Richards. And before we jump into today's episode, here is Donald Miller with some exciting news around our upcoming Coach Builder Summit that's happening February 1st and 2nd. It's the ultimate live stream for coaches, consultants, financial advisors, physical trainers, therapists, counselors. I would consider a coach anybody who sells their wisdom. Anybody who sells their knowledge and their, you know, their coaching, their ability to help you transform into somebody else based on the knowledge that they have, to me, that's a coach. At the summit, Amy Porterfield is going to be with us. Will Gadara, who's who wrote the book Unreasonable Hospitality. You know, Will started 11 Madison Park, became the number one restaurant in the world. He is going to be with us for Coach Builder Summit and a ton of other celebrities that you're going to love hearing from. If any part of you thinks that you could pivot your career into a coaching career, you've got to attend the summit. That's all we're going to talk about all day long. Go to coachbuilder.com slash coach summit, coachbuilder.com slash coach summit. Again, if you've ever thought about building a coaching business as a side hustle that hopefully will take over your life, go to coachbuilder.com slash coach summit and sign up today. Your sales software shouldn't be a bummer. When you step inside your CRM, you should feel equipped to do your best work. And that's the magic of HubSpot Sales Hub. The new Sales Hub is designed to help you win. With an intuitive prospecting workspace and AI-powered tools that reduce your workload, closing deals is no big deal at all. Get AI-powered tools like ChatSpot that are tailor-made to help you automate steps across the sales pipeline so your teams can take back their time and spend it on the tasks that matter. Close more deals and get on track for your best Q1 yet. Learn about HubSpot Sales Hub at HubSpot.com sales. All right, Mike, I can't wait to, to jump in and take some questions. We had a great conversation. If, if listeners didn't hear it, go back and listen to last week's episode of the podcast. We dive deep into Mike's new book, All In. It's all about creating and building great leaders and unstoppable teams. We liked the interview so much. In fact, we were supposed to take questions last week, but we just ran out of time. And so we're going to take them today. Our producer, Bobby Richards, is going to be reading some of those questions that he has cultivated from you, the listeners. And you and I are going to take a stab at, uh, are we legally obligated, Bob? Like if we get sued based on the advice that we give, are we in trouble? No. Well, as a question for Bobby. No. Well, here's the thing. As, as, a legal, as the legal I mean, expert that I am. I'm looking at the two of us going, oh, I don't know how safe <laughs> this advice is. But I, I think I just want to say up front, like, if you do what we say to do and it doesn't work, it's not our fault. Yeah. <laughs> seek, an, you know, seek an expert or something. My God. 
Well, with the but, power I have as a podcast producer, I'm giving both of you legal immunity. Legal cover. Legal to whatever immunity. happens. I think, yeah, legal immunity. I have, I have that power. We have a backlog of questions. Um, I think you guys are both going to love these, as will our listeners uh, who ask them. So first up, we've got Linda, who is a, uh, a boutique coffee shop owner based out of Denver. She asked specifically... Finding the right team is a challenge because traditional interviews haven't yielded the candidates who align with the unique atmosphere that we strive to create. How can I shift my approach to recruiting top talent, moving away from conventional methods and toward a teaching-focused strategy? Well, there's a lot in that question. There's There's a lot lot. in that question. I think what she's asking is like, how can I recruit and interview? How can that process be improved so I can get better people? She's workshops. Workshops, workshops. Wow. What do you mean? Workshops? Yeah. So we talked about last week. Home Depot. Yeah. Home Depot does this. Football teams, sports do it. University of Chicago, I interviewed them. They have a medical department. And back in the mid 90s, they started a program where they wanted to find candidates. What was fascinating was their prior process was the interview process. The union came to the head recruiter and said, we have a problem. We have a disproportionate number of candidates that are being accepted who are white when the community has more of an ethnic diversity, more black and brown. So they said, it's not representative of our community. The recruiter said, well, I have a natural gift of just finding people who interview well. They hired another woman, her name was Jewel. I can't remember her last name, Jewel Kacher, I think her last name was, who ran a workshop. What she'd said is, these are the the things you'll be experiencing when you work in our medical department. It was an administrative role, checking people in, patients, and so forth. One of the stations in this workshop was the check-in process, taking the license, recording it down. Another was entering insurance information and so forth. Jewel herself worked the check-in station. These same interviewees, these 50 people that went through interviews in the traditional format, went through the workshop. When they came to this check- It was part of the interview process yeah. that you had to attend this workshop. Yeah, so now we're going to send you to this workshop and you're going to experience it. It's like a camp. You're going to yeah, experience yeah, yeah. what it's like. The 50 candidates went through and Jewel emulated having cerebral palsy. Her roommate at the time had cerebral palsy, so she knew the- uh, Kind of the quirks of the- Yeah, the, the, like micro movements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are very difficult. To pull out a license from your purse may take a minute. So that's what she did. Some of the candidates would say, take your time or would say, may I assist you? They were experiencing this and responding. One candidate said, my God, just give it to me and ripped out her hand. Wow. Obviously, that candidate didn't make it. But I also think you won't be surprised. That was the number one interviewee because she had a domineering, confident personality. Wow. Yeah. And that would have been a disaster. It would have been a disaster. The, they hired based upon the workshop. They got the eight candidates they wanted. This was, these candidates became the longest term employment they ever had for that role. That is so amazing. I mean, when you Best first said it, I was just kind of like, okay, what now? Best performing. There's more. Best ethnic diversity was representative of the community. But the hero of the story is not Jewel. People are like, oh, that was so amazing. She did this. It was the recruiting director who said, I'm willing to challenge my belief that I interview well. She's the one who approved trying this new approach out. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it makes all the sense in the world. It's like literally, you know, choosing your basketball team by just playing a bunch of pickup. That's right. It's like, well, we got to watch them on the court. That's right. And you put them in an environment where there's some stress or some challenge. You know, who's going to sleep? Who's checking out? Who's going to the bathroom for 12 minutes at a time just so they don't have to be in the room? Those are people you're not going to bring back. No. And it really, that is actually, that's really brilliant. Yeah. Okay. I, I never would have thought of that. All right, Linda, that's a that's gold answer for you. You got to do a mile high, quote unquote, coffee shop. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. Hey, what man. else we got, Bobby? We're changing the world here. 
I love it. You are changing the world. And let's see if we can change Tina's world. She's asked the next question. Tina is the founder of a health tech startup out of Austin. And this is a retention question. She asks, retaining talent in the competitive health tech startup scene, specifically as a health startup, it's tough. And especially since our industry experiences constant evolution, what strategies do I need to implement to keep the best people on board, harnessing their unique talents rather than relying on just handing out titles? So basically, she wants to know, how do you keep good people? Yeah. So we talked about it last week also. It's yeah. about caring for their vision and their dream as much as you do for the business. Fine. I mean, just even a, a few launches, like, what do you want? What's, what, do you, what do you see in the future? Where do you want to go? 10 years from now, where do you want to be? Yeah. And then finding a path inside the organization. Yeah. Yeah. Now, a lot of people aren't dreamers. You may actually have to educate your people. So if you say, what do you want 10 years from now? The response from many people is, I don't know. So it's like, if you could envision yourself in a new role next week or next year, what would it be? And you got to kind of play it out. One thing we did in our office, and this has been perhaps the most popular little mechanical move uh, that I include in the book that people are emulating now. We have a tree. It's about as high as the wall here in our, your podcast studio. It's a barren tree. There's nothing on it. It's just the, the sticks and the so forth, the trunk. But everyone writes down every quarter their individual dreams, small, big, whatever, however you define it. One person, it gets me emotional, wanted to be cancer-free. That was Amy. Uh, another person uh, wanted to spend more time with her aging mother and so forth. And you write down all your dreams. So you have 10 or 20. Every quarter, we go back and say, did you accomplish it? And if so, fill out a leaf. One of them says, I'm cancer-free. She passed her five years. Wow. Uh, another person said, I learned how to play guitar. And you write down, that, and then you start filling out the tree. This tree has bloomed with these leaves of individual you dreams. You did that in your office? Uh, my office. Yeah, you guys come by amazing. Yeah, come over to New Jersey. Yeah. But yeah, what we're doing is physically and figuratively putting their dreams at the forefront of our organization's goals. Wow. My team- I might steal this idea. I'll send you pictures, everything. The degree of loyalty, and it's not artificial, it is real. I have one employee whose dream is to be a psychologist. She, she had a very difficult childhood and says, I need to help kids. And uh, we helped her in this process. She's now certified. She's like, I can't leave here though. She's like, I'm finding a way to do both. She's like, I will never leave your organization unless you want me to, because you've cared so much for me. It's, it's reciprocity, it's human nature. Gosh, that gets me choked up. Who ran this? It was, I think it was Toyota, ran it very effectively. They said, when the line goes down and making a car, Whoever's running that cell calls the managers over, not for them to get directions from the managers. The manager's job is to block and tackle for them. Find me the bolts I need. Find me the pieces. Get the line going again. Mm. So the person that cell can stop the line, not the manager. The manager's job is to help them, not the reverse. Did you ever hear that study similar to, to the one that you're talking about? I think it was Japan versus the American manufacturers in the 1980s. Deming. I, I'm not oh, sure. That's who did it. Uh, Deming came from the U.S. and was sent to Japan for this. That's right. But before I mean, before he came back and brought those, you know, really Six Sigma ideas yes. back, before he did that, in the 80s, American car manufacturers would not stop the line. That's right. They just kept it going. Right. And Japan would say, no, 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 we, we don't have a quota. If something's broken, you stop the line. Everybody stops. We fix it. We keep going. And America was like, you're crazy. Like, yeah. This is going to affect your, your output, your throughput. And they kept making cars. Those cars ended up being terrible. Japan started making the best cars in the world. And all of a sudden, the number one selling car is a Toyota Camry. That's right. <laughs> yeah. it was the, that yeah. was the same story. Yeah. That was the line. There was a joke that came about this. They said, how do you know the difference between an American car, a German, and a Japanese? 
an American car, you keep putting the f a door on. Oh, you put on any door on, and if it works or not, it's on. In a German car, you keep putting a door on until it finally fits. The Toyota car, it just fits the first time. <laughs> and, and that was kind of this now, mentality. That's not true anymore, but no. it's because American cars are built with Japanese manufacturing right, that's processes. Right. That's, that's right. exactly why it's that's working. Right. DTC Pod, hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. DTC Pod is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer. Ramon and Blaine cover everything for starting, growing, and optimizing e-commerce stores and DTC brands. They talk with founders, marketers, platforms, creators, and marketing and growth agencies, covering topics like brand building, social media, influencer marketing, website conversion, the list goes on and on. So if you're interested in the stories behind your favorite consumer brands, you need to listen to this podcast. In fact, in episode 299 titled Build a Better Brand with the Ultimate Shopify Accelerator, Ben Scharf, co-founder of Platter, a storefront accelerator for Shopify brands, covers how to streamline a brand's Shopify experience to drive and increase conversion all without bankrupting your business or confusing your customers. Listen to DTC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And now back to the show. All right, Bobby, we've changed so many lives. We're going to change another. Can we do one more? Let's do it. Yeah, I've got one more question <laughs> for you. So this is from John, who is a independent bookstore owner out of Miami. And John is asking, so Mike, fostering a thriving workforce inside our artistic community has been a challenge where individuality is celebrated. What should I be doing to be a better leader and also build a community of employees who act like shareholders? Mm, how do you get from individual solo thinking to yeah. group? Do you think that's what he's asking, Bob? How do you get from individual solo thinking to sort of group thinking? Sure. Or that's how it. do you get a group of artists that are sort of very much thinking about, you know, not selfishly, but thinking about their own output, their own stuff, yeah. and then getting everybody to work together or to team up together? Uh, yeah, maybe toward a, to, a, yeah. like a, a greater a greater mission, especially, especially if it's, in a remote exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have an interesting little personal story. I love that he has an independent bookstore, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Rock and roll, man. He's got go. The, the one left. I know. Gosh, go, John. Go. <laughs> I had our retreat uh, a year ago. And I came to the team and said, I want us to talk about our values. And I said, here's what they are. And I shared my values. One of my values is no dicks allowed. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> With the right community. You actually say it that way? I do say it that way. That's brilliant. No dicks allowed. But what I mean by this is I won't deal with other dicks. Life is too short, but I won't be a dick also. That's an expectation for myself. That's the agreement. Yeah, that's the agreement. My colleagues came to me, which is mostly female, and they said, Mike, that's awfully bro-y. And for the first time, I realized that my values aren't our values, but many cultures are rolled out that way. It's the founder's values or the leader's values, and they say, this is what we have, we have to behave, fit in this puzzle. What I found is... We have to collectively see what our values are, and they can change over time, the corporate values. I always thought they were static. So when I build my team, it's really understanding the community. What are our individual values, and is there already a cohesiveness with us? So I met with every team member and said, what are your values in your personal lives, and where do we have an overlap? And yeah, that's, that's actually our I have values. Actually, amazingly, I've never heard of that. Yeah. And it blew me away. I was like, my gosh, I'm mandating my values when we actually have a different set. So I call it community and I'm getting rid of culture. Culture is mandated. Community is embracing. So was that I, one of the big values as you talk to people? They wanted to, they wanted to be in a great community? Uh, no, no. I'm just saying the community self-represented values. Oh, got it. So uh, once, once I care for our, our little towns, little towns matter. So a lot of my team are from little towns. They said like little towns are getting rolled over 
little business is getting rolled over by big business. We got to defend little towns. The other thing they said is everyone was watching a show that I hadn't ever seen before called Ted Lasso. Now I watched it. Yeah. And they said, Mike, this is the Ted Lasso business. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, we're the eternal optimists, even when we're getting our butts kicked by the other team. Like, be the Ted Lasso for our, our uh, readers. Space, yeah. Yeah, for our space. And that became a collective value. I had to learn about that. I said, oh my God, that's me too. And that became our communal value. So you actually take these folks who are wired to be independent, maybe have some exercise in independence and just say, hey, we, what are your values and how can you roll, how can we roll our values up together? Yeah, where where's the crossovers? Yeah. So now you're a collection of everyone's individual values and you see where the links are and people can express themselves as their true selves. And that's where a team gets super strong. You know, I this last uh, Christmas party that we just had, I made a similar comment to I did at our Coaches and Guides Summit. And it was it was this. We've thrown our fortunes in together. Yeah, all of us. Sure, we've all we've all put our hope and our future in this boat. Yeah. And you've trusted us with yours, and we've trusted you with ours. Yeah, and we've done it together. You can feel kind of a an energy in the room shift when you make that obvious. Of course, it's obvious. That's exactly what we've done. Yeah, but to actually say it, this is our vision. This is our future. This is our hope. Uh, I think is the way to do it. But I, I in terms of a tangible exercise. To take your team and say, what are your values and how can they be reflected in our values yeah. or our values become an algorithm of these? That's an exercise I think I want to run with because we have we have largely talked about values and what what values are going to push forward our objectives. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever sat down and said, but what are yours? So I toured a lot of these businesses as, as I was researching for this book. And sure enough, the walls are covered with this is our values. And I asked employees in the same room with the values on the wall, they could just look at it and said, tell me, what are the, your values? And no one ever said the values on the wall. I said, what's your company values? Like, I don't even know. Because we're so attuned and wired with our own values, even if they're written on the wall, we can't see them. So we need to embrace what's internal, express it externally. Yeah. And that's how you do it. I love it. Well, Mike, uh, two great interviews. I mean, honestly, we did, yeah, we did one and then we did a and a If you didn't hear the interview I did with Mike McCallis about his new book, All In, which you can get on Amazon today, go back and listen to the previous episode of this podcast because I interview Mike about his book. This was a and a episode, which I, I don't know. I think we taught as much on this as we did on the previous one or people yeah, got as much value. I agree. Uh, fantastic. Mike, will you come back when you've got another book? Be honored. What, can you give us a tease? What's the next book about? Maybe Personal Finance. Personal finance. I got a call from Penguin. Because you did Profit First is really about small business finance. Yeah. So there is a cohesiveness between the performance of your personal finances and your business. And if one is lacking, the other will get pulled down. Yeah. So hopefully people are crushing with Profit First in their own per their business lives. But if they're not doing it at home, they're still in trouble. Brilliant. Well, I'm going to buy it, Mike. Oh, thank thanks you. for coming in. All right, at the end of every episode, I give you a plan of action from today's coaching conversation. These are the main takeaways you can immediately implement to strengthen and grow your business. And today's plan of action is this, start asking your people what their values are. I mean, you've got your company values, but there's epiphanies that are so strong that they convict you or they make you feel foolish or they're slightly embarrassing. When Mike talked about that, I was slightly embarrassed that I've never asked people on my team, what are your values? You know, I want to know, do you match ours? Because mm -hmm. this is the objective. So, Mike, you're still sitting here. I think that's the plan of action. Start asking people what their values are and see if they affect the values of your business. Yeah, and the beauty is they can reveal that in a workshop. So if you can get a combo deal. <laughs> Another plan of action, host a workshop. Yeah, and you'll see their values revealed. Do they rip the card out of someone's hand or not? Yeah, there you go. We can actualize that pretty easy. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And thanks, as always, for listening to the Business Made Simple podcast, where we are obsessed with helping you grow your small business. See you next week.
Want to have Don coach through your question like the ones featured in today's episode? Just go to businessmadesimple.com slash podcast. Let us know what's keeping you up at night when it comes to running your business and submit your question at businessmadesimple.com slash podcast.